Anyway, all that kind of stuff happened and took place, but God is with us. So what in this time that we live in, one of the things that the Lord has been dealing with me about, and I'm sure maybe dealing with you, I don't know, is to get closer to Him than you've ever been before. Because in Him there is safety. In Him there is peace. In Him there is every need that you have will be met. Listen, I'll tell you the truth about it. If necessary, and you need something, and you seek God about it, I mean sincerely about it, God, if you need it, and you don't have it, God will send a hound dog to your door with a sack in his mouth, and he'll have what you need. You said, Brother Andy, that's far-fetched. Well, Elijah was down by the brook Cherith, and God had a raven, a bird, fly by Granny's and got that corn pone bread, and I'm taking you a steak out of the pot and flew it into him. They had flying service back then. Don't go bird. God had a bird. A bird. And that's the God we serve. I mean, that's the God that will take care of us. He'll watch over us. But a notice thing about that prophet that was laying there by that book, he was doing what God said do. And if you do what God says do, he's going to take care of you. And I can tell you something else. He loves you so much that even if you mess up, he'll help you if you ask him. So don't feel condemned. You may have to say, Lord, have mercy on me. That's what the blind man said. Lord, have mercy on me. And he just kept hollering, blind Bartimaeus, Lord, have mercy on me. And they told him to shut up. He just kept hollering louder. Lord, have mercy on me. And the Lord said, bring him here. What do you want? He said, I want my sight. He said, so be it. His eyes were open. He could see. I'm here to tell you that's the God that we serve. Yes, there's challenging times, but if you listen to all the reports, especially coming from the secular news media, if you listen to those things, it won't take long to get depressed. It won't take long to think that we're going under. I mean, all these commentators, dictators, sweet potatoes, iced potatoes, red potatoes, Irish potatoes, all them people that's accommodating on the taters on that part I mean, if you listen to all that stuff, I'm telling you enough, and I'm not saying you can't listen every now and then, but if you listen enough, it will supersede the Word of God that's in your life, and then you will become faithless and not be able to accomplish what God called you to do. Turn to St. John chapter 16. St. John, I believe it is chapter 16. We'll see when we get there. Thank God about it for what he's saying and what he's doing in his Word. It's a time that we need to know God like we've never known Him before. And uh, just for the sake of time, I won't read the whole context of this, but uh, I, I'm just going the whole scriptures uh, in it, I'm going to read a few. But in St. John 16, this is what Jesus said. He said, uh, verse 5, But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asked me, Whether goest thou? In other words, he's about to go. He's going to be crucified. He's going to the garden. After this, they're going to have the, what they call the Last Supper. And you know what the last thing Jesus said at the Last Supper. You remember what that was, right? He said, boys, if you want to get in the picture, get on this side of the table. Because I got a picture of all of them. You know what I mean? I don't know who had the cell phone camera. I am joking now. I am joking. Because I'm put, fixing to put some heavy stuff on you, so I got to get you laughing so you'll swallow it. We're going on with God. Amen. We're going to do it. 
But he said here, I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you ask me where, where you're going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow hath filled your heart. In other words, they, they decided, well, he's been right here with us. He's been our support. He's been our help. But he was training them all the time to be able to stand on their own. He was training them all the time to be able to listen to the same Holy Spirit that was dealing with him, the same Holy Ghost that he dealt with. They, he wanted them to learn himself. Verse 11 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient, which means advantageous, which means necessary, which means good for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, what's the Comforter going to do, the Holy Ghost going to do when he comes? Verse 13, we'll skip down there. In St. John 16, verse 13, he said, How be it, talking about the Holy Ghost, that he's going to send the Comforter, when he, the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Truth is the same thing as the Comforter found up there in verse number 7. The Spirit of Truth is the same Comforter, same Holy Ghost, one Spirit. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, what will he do? He will guide you into all truth. So more than hearing anybody else, we need to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. We need to hear what God is saying. Sometimes you just need to tune everything out and find out what God is saying. Because again, you can be influenced by what you hear and by what you see to the point that you can't hear the voice of God anymore. He said, he will guide you into all truth, verse 13, for he shall not speak of himself. In other words, it's not his ideas. He said, but whatsoever he shall hear, hear from who? From the Godhead, from the Heavenly Father. He shall hear, that shall he speak. In other words, he will reveal it to you. And he will show you things to come. The one way that I've interpreted to show you things to come over the years is he will reveal to you future events. Now, that doesn't mean that all of us are going to be prophets and we're going to know everything that's going to happen. But I believe that you can walk close enough to God. In fact, I know it. You can walk close enough to God that God will show you things into your future to do that will be best for you and things to avoid that will be bad for you. And it's because that we don't practice hearing that inward voice. And I'm not getting on you. Yeah, I'm trying to help you here. If we, if we don't practice listening to the Spirit of God inside of us and seeking after the Spirit of truth, God Himself, the Holy Ghost, uh, then we can get into situations uh, and uh, circumstances and have a lot of problems that God never intended for us to have. And we can blame them on the devil if He wanted to, but really if we'd have listened to God, we wouldn't be where we're at. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said, how do you know? I'm number one guilty. God did not put me in prison. The devil did not put me in prison. The law enforcement officials did not put me in prison. And the judge did not put me in prison. So I know you're now questioning my sanctity. How'd you get there then? I'm glad you asked. Because I was the one, me, that made the wrong choices and wrong decisions that got me in prison. Would you agree? Y'all pretty quick to agree with me. Yeah, you old sorry thing, you. And I, I wanted you to agree with me. Because I was just setting you up. Now you believe I'm the one that got myself in that mess. But as a general rule, I'm not saying you can't be attacked by the devil. Don't get me wrong because there is a reality of that. I've been attacked. But as a general rule, in our lives, 
many times, not all the time, but many times, it is our fault because we are in the position that we're in. Oh, excuse me. Woo! You were shouting with me a while ago. <laughs> and again, I'm not putting you down. And I'm not attacking you. We're bringing revelation. We can always, if we follow God close enough, we can always know instantly in our spirit. I'm not talking about you hear a voice, an angel fly by, Jesus appeared to you, or the glory cloud appear. But instantly, the Spirit of God can show you things and reveal things to you that you'll know what to do in circumstances and situations, but it takes time in prayer to develop these things. It's knowing Him, understanding how He operates. He's not, uh, uh, you know, you don't go out in the emotional realm try to feel good, even though sometimes you might feel something. And we like to feel good when we feel good. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I believe in this day, again, we need to get close to God so we can hear His voice and lead us and guide us. If He says, don't go that way, don't go that way. If He says, don't go here, don't go there. Remember September the 11th, we heard of all the horror and things that took place up there. But we also heard a lot of testimonies, you probably did too, about people just got up, just had this sense that they should not go to work that day. And they weren't sorry, lazy people. They just had this sense they shouldn't be there. Or something would come up and, and it would delay them getting there. And they weren't in that building when it crashed. And that, that's not putting anybody down that, that did go, you understand. But it does say this to us. It pays to know the Holy Ghost. Y'all remember this, uh, Brother Hagin's uh, Sunday school superintendent. Y'all remember him back there in, in 1940, 1940, about 39, 40? Y'all remember him? Was you? Mr. Booth, you went around there then, was you? Jay, I know. Yeah, he was around there. He's got a beard. I thought he was Abraham Lincoln when I saw him. You know, I, I did. I thought they've been talking about Abraham, you know, Lincoln. Brother Jay here, and I thought, well, this is Abraham right here. You know, you ought to get you one of them top hats that they wore back there and all that kind of stuff and set you a stand up on the side of the road and run for public office. My. <laughs> Listen, you could do just as good or better than them that's in there. I can tell you the truth about it. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. They don't either. I'm just here to tell you. <laughs> and that's the doggone truth because the only way you're going to know what to do is to know God. And seek his face. But Brother Hagin pastored a church on back yonder. He pastored for 12 years, you know, if we went out in the traveling ministry. And uh, he had a Sunday school superintendent in, in, in his church. And, uh, and did, God would lead him and guide him and all that kind of stuff and, and help him. And, and uh, things happened. In fact, he fell and got hurt in, in a uh, place that uh, he worked at. Fell in some machinery. And they said he was going to die. But, and Brother Hagin, the doctor called him because he went out there as a pastor. It wasn't just a little small town, you know. So he went out there and, uh, to meet him, you know, and his, the wife was out there. And, and uh, Brother Hagin said, the doctor come to him said, said uh, Brother Hagin, because he knew him, Pastor Hagin, he knew him well. And he said, uh, Pastor Hagin, he said, it'd be good if you take his wife and family to the side and prepare them. He said, because uh, he's going to die. He said, ain't nothing. He said, we can't move him. He said, if we pick him up, he said, he's going to die right here. He said, he's in bad shape. He said, I, I, can't, I want him to have the ambulance come. 
And so Brother Hagin said, well, I'm going to do that, I guess. So he went over and called the wife to the side, you know, and all that and said, well, you know, they said that uh, she called him daddy, you know, because that was all the kids, grandkids did. So she called him daddy, even though it was her husband, you know, because the grandkids did that. And said, uh, he said, uh, they, the doctor said daddy ain't going to make it. And Brother Hagin said, yes, ma'am. He said, that, that's what the doctor said. He, he ain't going to make it. She said, isn't it good that you and I have inside information? <laughs> and we thank God for Dr. So-and-so and called his name. He said, well, we got inside information. She said, we're going to believe God. He's going to be all right. Brother Hagin said, he perked right up. But my God, uh, we're going to believe this thing out. And he just got to praying. He got to seeking God. Praying, seeking God. And as he would pray and seek God, finally the man come through it. And it was amazing what had happened and how he had survived because they said that, you know, he ain't dead. He's supposed to be already dead. He didn't die, so they took him into the hospital. And uh, several days later, anyway, through a series of people praying for him, he actually turned around and came out of it. And that's good. And so God led that. Hagen showed him what to do, how to pray in that situation in order to change it. But one of the things that I have learned about the Holy Ghost, and one thing that Dad Hagen taught me, and it's really becoming prominent in my life now more so than ever, is that sometimes we try to make the Holy Ghost do something that it's not in divine destiny that it happens. And I've learned to put my spiritual antenna up, so to speak, and say, well, God, what are you saying in this situation? A critical situation, because if you don't watch it, you can try to force something through with faith, and, and God knows it's not going to happen that way. So the best thing to, and I mean we do have faith, don't get me wrong, but I try to keep my spiritual antenna up to say, God, what are you saying in this situation? What are you doing in this situation? But it pays to know God, and it pays to know the Holy Ghost. Do y'all remember uh, uh, two folks that Brother Hagin used to call Mom and Dad Goodwin? Did you ever meet them? <laughs> if you did, you got, <laughs> you got a few years under your belt. But uh, they were in, uh, uh, praying one night. Actually, they had went to bed. And uh, they, he woke up in the night. Him and her were lying there in the bed asleep. There were pastors, and people just called them Mom and Dad Goodwin. And, and Brother Hagin's was good friends. They were pastors in a neighboring city. And, and this is a story that they told. It was a true story. Brother Hagin has told it too. But it applies to being led by the Spirit of God and knowing the Spirit of God. But one night, during the night, uh, Mr. Goodwin, Pastor Goodwin, woke up and because his wife was laying beside him in the bed a-groaning. And he thought there was something wrong with her, you know. So he turned to her and said, Honey, said, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? She said, Nothing. She said, I just sense that somebody in our church is going to die. It pays to know the Holy Ghost. Pays to follow Him. Pays to know. Pays to be in a church like this. And they can't always pray you out of it. You know what I mean? Pastors can't. Yeah, they can't always do it. I mean, but they can work towards it if God leads them. You know what I mean? That don't mean they know everything, and I don't know everything. But anyway, she said, I have this sense. She, he said, well, who is it? She, she said, I don't know who it is. She said, but somebody... His life is in danger in our church. She says, only strong. So he started praying with her. As he began to pray with her, of course, it's in the early hours, wee hours of the morning. He kind of tired anyway. He drifted off back to sleep. Well, he 
woke up again with her groaning even a little louder than what she was before. He said, honey, what? She said, I just can't get rid of him. He said, well, we just got to get out of the bed. He said, if I lay here, I'm going back to sleep. So they got out of the bed, went down there, knelt down, started praying and interceding. They interceded for a while, just praying in the spirit, praying with all their understanding, you know, God protect this person. But they just sensed, they didn't know who it was, but they just sensed somebody was going to die. So they prayed on over to about 4 a.m. in the morning. And after about 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, Pastor Goodwin said to his wife, Miss Goodwin, said, honey, he said, we've been praying this way. He said, uh, and I sense that we've got a measure of victory in this. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, let's just agree together right now that whoever it is that has this problem or facing death, that God would give them a vision, he'd give them a dream, he would give them something so they would know that they would avert this situation or avoid this situation. So they prayed and agreed together as husband and wife that God would speak to them supernaturally so that uh, God would supernaturally help them and speak to them. So the next morning, a Sunday school superintendent, theirs too, I believe it was, that went out from their church, or a man that was in their church anyway, went out and he worked on the oil rigs, you know, where they climb up. And there's a lot of oil wells out in Oklahoma and all that stuff is different than it was back then today, but they still have them. And they was out there drilling a real uh, well, and of course they got a derrick that goes up, and they got a drill that comes down to the ground, and they got different pipes, different sections. They drill down so far, have to cut it loose, put another section in, drill down so far, and that's the way they even do it today, you know, even with water wells, you know, and all that stuff. But anyhow, it's similar anyway. So he went out there on the job, and when they got out there on the job that morning, you know, this is a church member. And, of course, they didn't know who it was. The pastor didn't know who they was praying about, but they, all they knew is they knew the Holy Ghost. They knew the Spirit of Truth, and the Spirit of Truth was leading them and guiding them, showing them things to come because they were close to God. But anyway, here they were out on the job, and the boss man of the outfit out there that run the crew, so to speak, a guy that worked up on top of that rig, you know, every day because he had to take a cable loose in order for the pipes to be let down and all that stuff, he would go up there and run that thing and, and do it. That was his job every day. But that morning, for some reason, he didn't show up. So the boss man of the crew, the supervisor, looked at this church member of the good ones and said to him, he said, well, you know how to run that job up there. Well, in fact, all of them could have done the same job. He said, but you know how to run that job. He said, he's not here. He said, why don't you go up there and do it? He said, okay, you know. So he went over there and he had to climb his long ladder to get to the top of this thing, you know, 30, 40 feet there or, or taller. So he's climbing up this ladder and he got up about seven or eight rungs, you know, steps on that ladder. He stopped and he backed back down to the ground. This man did. Stood down on the ground and, and the man that sent him up there, the supervisor, said, what is it? He said, I ain't going up there. Now he wasn't one to talk back to the boss man. He'd always been a good hard worker. He said, I ain't going up there. He said, why ain't you going up there? He said, well, I'll tell you why. He said, this morning at 4 o'clock, remember when they were praying? God said, give them a dream or a vision. At 4 o'clock this morning, I had a dream. And he said, in that dream, he said, because I woke up because it was so horrible. He said, in this dream, he said, I dreamed that this fella did not come that normally works up there. In this dream, I, I, I saw you and you told me to go up there and work the top of that rig. You know, where them cables come loose and everything and set the pipes down. 
And he said, I went up there, and he said, not long after I got up there, that cable broke and cut my head off and fell down to the ground. He said, I'm not going up there. So there was a good, good fellow there, a good Christian fellow, they say, that was there that laughed at him, mocked at him. Said, oh, he's just superstitious, you know. I'll go up there and work it. So the boss man said, okay, go ahead. So he shimmied up that thing like a squirrel, you know, climbing a tree. Got up there and they started running this thing and all the cables and pulling these pipes and everything. They'd been up there about 10 minutes. 10 minutes. All of a sudden, that cable broke, cut that man's head clean off. And the fellow that didn't go up there, the Christian man that didn't go up there, he was leaning over picking up something off the ground and that fellow's head from up there hit him right square dab in the back and rolled over on the ground. Now, are you glad that happened? Talking to me? No, I'm not glad that happened. Nobody in their right mind would be glad that happened. But it pays to know the Holy Ghost. He will lead you and guide you. He will direct you. And that man was a good Christian man too. He was a tither. He was a churchgoer. He was faithful. He helped out in the church. He was right there, Johnny, on the spot if something needed to be done. So the Holy Ghost could speak to him too. But what if he wasn't in a position to hear God? What if he was so cluttered with the world and everything going on, he didn't have time for God? Well, he wouldn't have been sensitive enough to know God was speaking to him, and he might have been the one to climb up there and it cut his head off. You know what I'm talking about? So in this time that we live in right now, we need to hear what God is saying. We need to know what God is saying. We need to do what God is saying. We need to get close to God. Turn to Romans 8, 14. Scriptures you know, you know them very well. But I think what we've been taught and trained is not what we know that's going to help us. It is what we do that we know that's going to help us. Romans 8.14, a keynote scripture that if you've been around this church any at all, that you've heard about it and know something about it, this scripture. And if you hadn't been around, just hang around and you'll find out some things about this. Because I'm not going in depth. I want to cover some more area. I'm just laying some groundwork where you won't kill me when I tell you some other things. Okay? Okay. It says, Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. He said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Isn't that right? That if we're led by Him, when it means sons of God, it talks about those that have been born again. That's what's encapsulated in that meaning of the word sons of God. It means male and female. That's just what it is. That's just King James English, you know. In other words, if, if you're led by the Spirit of God, male or female, you are son or daughter of God. And if you have children, just naturally speaking, if you had children, and, and, uh, and many do here have children, and I'm, I'm a father myself, if there's anything that I can do knowingly that would help my child, don't you know I'm going to be right there? I'm gonna, I'm, if I, I can warn them about something or try to teach them about something where I might have made a mistake. You know what I mean? Wouldn't all mamas and daddies do that? I mean, most mamas and daddies would just give their life for their children. I know I would. 
You know what I mean? That's the love of God. I mean, if you could, I mean, you really can't, but if you could, we would. So do you think that God loves us more than we love our own children? Yes, he loves us more than we love. He said, how can he do that? I don't know. Some of us are scoundrels, I'll tell you, but he still loves us. He's going to watch after us. He wants to help us. He's doing everything he can to get you in heaven. He said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So after salvation, learning about faith, to me one of the greatest endeavors that a Christian should undertake is learning to be led by the Spirit of God. I would encourage you to get books, get tapes, teachings from pastor here, and just about how to be led by the Spirit of God, and meditate on it, study it, pray about it, and ask the Lord to lead you, to guide you, direct you. I mean, one thing that helped me years ago <coughs> is a book called How to Be Led of the Spirit of God, which your pastors are very familiar with, and other ministers here, that uh, was written by uh, Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin. We call him Dad Hagin's a term of endearment. And it's actually where Jesus sat down and talked to him and taught him how to be led by the Spirit of God. And he said, go teach my people how to be led by the Spirit of God. But it's called How to Be Led by the Spirit of God by Kenneth E. Hagin. And I'm sure that a lot of you here, or some of you I know, have that book. I believe right now is a good time to knock the dust off of it. You know what I mean? And go back and listen to what Jesus taught Brother Hagin. Jesus actually walked into Dad Hagin's hotel room and sat down and talked to him for one and a half hours about other things, but specifically, too, about how to be led of the Spirit of God. So in the season that we're in now, in the times that we're in now, then we need to hear God's voice because there's a lot of voices speaking out there, a lot of things going on. A lot of, uh, he started reading the scriptures about false prophets, and I thought he was going to call fire down on us all. You know what I mean? <laughs> because there's a lot of things going on, and a lot of things even said about the election, you know, that just didn't work out right, and I'm not here to put anybody down. But the, the thing about it with me is this. Can I talk about the election just a little bit? You think it'll be all right? Amen. You sure? Well, it may not be what you want to hear. You know what I mean? Somebody said, prophesy. Well, I'll prophesy. <laughs> but I, I kept having this sense, you know, not because I know more than anybody else, but I kept having this sense that it wasn't going to work out right. You know what I mean? But my head wouldn't accept it. But inside of me, I had a scratching. Do you know what I mean? Because every time I prayed that way and believed, and I'm still praying to, for things to change and things to turn around and things like that, but I just kept having this sense that it wasn't going to go in the right direction. But I didn't dare confess it, didn't dare say it, didn't dare believe it. I mean, I, no, I ain't going to do it. But then one day, I finally got to the point that I realized that something here is not working right, and I asked the Lord to help me. And he impressed me. He didn't, I didn't hear an audible voice. An angel didn't fly down and appear to me. Uh, Jesus didn't appear to me. But uh, he said, impress me this way. The scriptures over in Isaiah, he said that God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. And I was impressed to begin praying, God, let your thoughts to become my thoughts. Your ways become my ways. Your plans become my plans. 
See, what I'm doing, I heard it was an inward witness that was leading me in that direction. Now, my head didn't want to go in that direction. But I can tell on myself. I listened to too many of them theories to the point that I could not hear God. I couldn't hear Him. So when I had that little sense inside, that little check, that little stop sign that, you know, this ain't working. I mean, I, I just didn't want to believe it. My head didn't want to believe it. There's no way that this could happen, you know. No way. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they investigating that? Why aren't they doing this? And you'd watch him hearings. You know, I even got to watching him hearings on TV with the state legislators. Y'all watch any of that? <laughs> if you had a, you'd have been charging. Oh, my God. I mean, just because you get all filled with that. I'm telling on myself. But God had to get me where he could talk to me. Because what I was thinking didn't agree with my spirit, even though I, I just kept overriding it. So I got into a place of prayer with fasting. And I'm not saying that to brag, but just I, I couldn't hear nothing. I lost 28 pounds, by the way. <laughs> That's one good thing come out of it. Lost a whole suit size. Lost a whole belt size. Britches right here, I got them double notched up. If I didn't, they'd fall down. So that's about what, what happened. I mean, what I'm saying is I was serious because I couldn't hear God, I'll be honest. I'm, and I'm supposed to hear God. But I was so influenced by all the information and, and people know me, preachers, good friends of mine know me, even other countries send me messages. In fact, I got a message with Pastor Craig today, this morning. Brother Randy, <laughs> I ain't going into that. But anyway... <laughs> They know who I'm talking about. But anyway, y'all know who I'm talking about from up there in Canada, Mississauga, Ontario, which is Toronto. He sent me a message early this morning. But anyway, I couldn't hear. So what I'm saying is, if we don't watch it, I'm not talking about just about the election. You can be so concerned about natural events, you know, and what's going to happen, and I'm not saying that there's not things you ought to do or something, but you can get so overwhelmed by that stuff that you actually get in fear. You know what I mean? I, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't have common sense, but you, you don't need to get in fear. I think that's what you taught us, isn't that right? So but I got to the place that I couldn't hear God. Remember, the most important thing is to hear God. Hear God out of all of it. And sometimes when we hear God, it's not necessarily what we want to hear at all. Many people ask Jesus, are people, I don't say many, People ask Jesus questions. And if you go look at the answers, most of the time he did not respond and give them the answer to their question. He knew what they needed to hear and he told them that. If you go read in the uh, New Testament, in the Gospels, you'll see that. And many times that would happen. So when I started praying that way, after I'd done run up against a wall, so to speak, in the Spirit, and it just seemed like the Holy Ghost wasn't helping me pray about these things. And it seemed like when I'd pray, it'd just get worse. Be more corruption come out. More, and it just, oh, Lord, why didn't somebody do something? Then, then he gave me that impression. Again, it wasn't an audible voice. Start praying his thoughts become my thoughts. His ways become my ways. His plans become my plans. And it took a week and a half of me praying that way and cutting everything else off till when, on a Wednesday morning that the Spirit of God came upon me and for the first time in all the prayers about the election 
the Lord showed me and he said to me, the word of the Lord came to me. And he said, the way you're praying is not going to work. He said, you've become incensed and angry about all this. And he said, you've got to take off the cloak of bitterness. And I was bitter. And he said, you need to put on the cloak of love. He said, also, he said, you need to take that anger out of your life and put on compassion. And I'm just paraphrasing what he said. He said, if you'll recall, some of my last dying words hanging on the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he said, when Stephen was being stoned, I believe it was in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was being stoned, and they were killing him, a preacher of the gospel, an apostle of God, being stoned. He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. My God, I don't know if I could have done that or not. And I told the Lord that. I said, this is too hard. You're telling me to love these folks that are trying to run over me and do all this kind of stuff and take away my rights and all that. I said, I'll start a doggone revolution. <laughs> we'll go for these folks. And the Lord said, your ways are not my ways. Man's way. He said, so start praying in this direction. And the love came upon me for this lost and dying world. Even those that are doing evil, how can you love somebody that's doing evil? How did Jesus love them while he was hanging on the cross? And they were hanging him to die. He was taking his last breath. And I said, oh, Lord. And I just, I was kneeling down, so I just kind of collapsed down on the floor, sitting there, because it hit me so hard. And I'm not, not real emotional, but I began to weep and cry in the spirit about our nation and about what was going on. And I knew then that it wasn't going to turn and it wasn't going to change. And it wasn't what I wanted to hear. And the Lord wouldn't allow me or permit me to speak about it because other people were not in that position either to hear. And I finally did, of course. But... Uh, the Lord went on to say to me, which I haven't said a word to anybody about this, but I have liberty this morning. Because a question would arise with Mr. Trump being uh, so much, doing so much for our country, especially for the Christians. Israel, you know, moved our, our uh, what do you call it, embassy back to Jerusalem, recognizing that it's the capital of Israel, which uh, there's been a lot of hate over in that world, part of the world, for years about that, and doing all those things. Why did he not get back in office? Wasn't it God's will? Yes, it was God's will. I believe it. And I believe that there was a lot of fraud and all that. I mean, it was proven, you know, out there, even though nobody ever heard it. But how did this happen? How did they get away with it? Why didn't the FBI, the Secret Service, and everybody else investigate? They investigated the people that went to the Capitol. How come they couldn't go get them folks? I don't think not one person got arrested. I heard later on somebody might have got arrested, but, you know, and some of the judges finally made some decisions, but it still don't help the election. And he said, do you know why? Not the only reason, but do you want to know why the main reason was, the main two reasons that he didn't go back in there? And I said, yes, Lord, I'd like to know. He said, the first reason is the church is behind in their praying. I'm not saying every church. I'm not saying every minister. 
He said, but these prayers should have started been praying three and four years ago. And he said, right now, everybody's praying, and it doesn't mean that their faith has failed. That's the way the Lord showed me. And it don't mean that your prayers hadn't worked. He said, it's just that. Some of these things takes a year or two to change, and you can't do it overnight. And he said, you can't do it just with a prayer of faith alone. All prayers prayed in faith. He said, it takes intercessory prayer, which takes time, and the Holy Ghost working with you. And he said, the church is behind in this, number one. Then it reminded me of where Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen in 1970 and 1979 and told him at that time, Dad Hagen, and he, he wrote books, and it's in some of his books, how that he was holding the church responsible for the president's mistakes. And that all the riots, the tumults, and disturbances, he said it was the church's fault because they had not taken their place in prayer like they should. Now, should we quit praying now? No. This should make us aware that we can change these things. It don't matter how it looks. God can help us if we won't give up and quit. Now, everybody's known that. I've said that and I've shared that, but I haven't shared this. But what could have Mr. Trump done differently? And this is what the Lord taught me now. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, got a, I ain't even got a high school education. So you can't claim it on uh, my uh, degrees. But the Lord said, <clears throat> President Trump could have done some things differently that would have guaranteed his reelection. I said, well, Lord, what, what could he have done? I'm not a politician. I'm not a strategist or all that. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4. This is what he taught. Now, I want you to know, I'm not putting Mr. Trump down. I'm not putting anybody down. I thank God for what he was able to do to help us to the extent that he did. And I'm not saying that he couldn't come back and get reelected next time around. I'm not saying that. But I, I did learn something in all this, too. I, I learned, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about our uh, electoral college and how all the states, but it seemed like to me, one of the things I learned, that the states were more powerful than the presidential office when it comes to the election. In other words, who you got in your state offices, secretary of state, the governor, the legislators, and who's over the voting and the election of that state, they have more power than I ever thought they had. And so it started us in Florida praying in a different direction because we're praying for the president, but buddy, we better get to praying off these other offices because they're going to determine what goes on up there. You know what I mean? Once they get in office, the president, yes, things can happen, but it's the lower offices we think is not, don't mean anything. They mean a lot. We found out in this election, and I learned that too. <clears throat> what is here is King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. I'm just going to go uh, just to read just a little bit of it. I, I don't know, but not all of it. But he had a dream, and he couldn't get it interpreted. He didn't know what it meant. Uh, he called all his soothsayers, uh, uh, magicians, and people that's supposed to know all this stuff. And he wanted to know what the vision was. He told them what the dream was, but he didn't know the interpretation. And uh, let me try to get down here to a scripture where it'd be good. All right, let's start in verse 19. But anyway, this is just setting the stage. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And he wanted to, the wise men of his kingdom to interpret it for him 
uh, uh, what we'd call witch doctors, soothsayers, fortune tellers, whatever else that was working for the devil. And they couldn't get it. So somebody said, there's a man over here that can tell you. And they was talking about Daniel. He was a child of God. He was a man that sought God. He was a man that eventually, remember, they, was going, they throwed him in the lion's den because he would not stop obeying God. That's the way you are here. It's the way your pastors are. So if they get in the lion's den, I don't know if I'm going there with them or not. But anyway, <laughs> I, uh, you know, and you know, you remember that uh, three-year-old pastor's son, don't you? Y'all remember him? The pastor and his daddy was, uh, his pastor was standing up there shaking hands with folks as they are leaving the church one morning. This, his little pastor's son, three-year-old, come out of Sunday school class, you know, a little taller, running around real good, you know. He come up and grabbed his daddy's brister leg. Daddy, 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 let me tell you what I learned in Sunday school this morning. He said, son, just wait a minute. I'm shaking people's hands. He said, okay. He stood there about five seconds because that's their length, you know, of time to wait. He grabbed his daddy's brother. Daddy, 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 let me tell you what I learned in Sunday school this morning. Let me tell you, daddy. He said, son, just wait. Some of the folks standing around there don't said, let him talk. Let him talk, preacher. We ain't bothering us. Ain't hindering us. He said, okay, son. He knelt down there and got with him close to his, his level. He said, what'd you learn? He said, we learned about Daniel in the lion's den. He said, what'd you learn, son? He said, I learned that when Daniel was thrown in that lion's den, he said, them lions went to pray and that Daniel wouldn't eat them. <laughs> that boy had a revelation from God, I'm here to tell you. Everybody busted out laughing. He kind of had it turned around. But that might have been the true thing. That might have been a word from God. Y'all thought Daniel was scared them doggone lions. Oh, God, don't let him get us. Y'all remember the Weezer of Oz. They were lying they had on there. But anyway, yeah, you ever seen that? But anyway, that's long ago. But anyway, them lions, he said, went to praying that Daniel wouldn't eat them. So if you go in the lion's den, you know they're going to be praying that you won't eat them. So just remember that revelation. So this is that Daniel right here. They got thrown in the lion's den. He was a man after God's own heart. He sought God even when they told him he couldn't pray. He went, he opened his window because it was the, the thing to do. He was praying towards Jerusalem because <coughs> they was in captivity. And he would kneel down and pray. And then they made, had made an evil decree, remember, and got him thrown in the lion's den. Anyway, they brought Daniel to interpret this dream for uh, uh, the king. He says, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, that's the name they had given him, but his real name was Daniel, was astonished for one hour. His thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belshazzar... Let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. In other words, Daniel's interpreting what's going on. He said, Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee in the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. In other words, he's trying to be as nice as he can about it, telling this king this. Because this king could have his head cut off right here. And he saw this dream. And he said, The tree that you saw which grew and was strong, whose height reached into the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair and the fruit thereof much, and it was meat for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong. In other words, you've got a strong kingdom. And that's what Daniel is interpreting his dream. For thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto the heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. In other words, he's over every doggone thing they knew about in that day. That's how much prominence this king has been raised up. Verse 23. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down, in other words, this kingdom, and destroy it. 
says, Yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field, till seven times passes over him. In other words, there's going to be seven years of things that's happened. Verse 24, This is the interpretation, O king, Daniel's telling, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king. This is what's coming upon you in this dream. That they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee till thou, notice this, till that thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he wills. God does it. And whereas thy commanded, uh, they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. In other words, not you, but God is greater than you are. This king had the wrong attitude. He thought he was bigger than God. He thought he could tell what God what to do. And he said, you're going to acknowledge something. He said, wherefore, verse 27, O king, let thy counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of the tranquility. Verse 28. All the things that Daniel says, all this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. That's who Daniel was talking to. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The, great, the king spake and said, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built for the house of thy the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. In other words, he's acknowledging that I'm some great one. I don't need nobody else. I am the man. I am the one in charge, large and in charge. It's me. It's who I am. It's my ability that I have established this great Babylon. While the word was in the king's mouth, while he was bragging about it, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with a beast of the field that shall make thee to eat, uh, make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times uh, shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Buddy, your pride has caught up with you, is what he's telling this guy. You think if you're the great one that you can float like a butterfly and sting like a bee and that you're doing this on this own because you're just a great strategist and you know how to do these things? This is what God is saying to him. Thank you for getting excited. I know you want to run. <laughs> Verse 33. The same hour, the same hour that God said it to him was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And what happened? He was driven from men. He had to go out from society, go out from his place, go out from his kingdom, and did eat grass as oxen. He ate grass like a cow you see out here, or a horse you see in a pasture. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. When you see the king eating grass, you know something wrong. 
He did eat grass as oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till what? Till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers. Hairs popped out all over his body like feathers. That's what it says. And his nails like bird's claws. That's what it says, isn't it? It's in the Bible. It says, and at the end of the days, I Nebuchadnezzar, look at this. We're seven years going through this. And at the end of the days, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up my eyes unto heaven. And mine understanding returned unto me. And what did I do? I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Oh, that's a different attitude than a little earlier, isn't it? After he had ate grass like a cow and growed hair like feathers and had the fingernails like eagle's talons growing out from him, he come to his senses and he started acknowledging God. That's the first step to getting God to help you. He said, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason, in other words, he came back into his right mind, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now, verse 37, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor who? The King of heaven. Not himself, not him lifting up who he is, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Now, I say this kindly, I say it generously, but I'm saying it by the Holy Ghost. One of Mr. Trump's problems, if he had any, you know, he was perfect. And I'm not belittling him and I'm not glad. He got to thinking that it was him. He didn't know that we had prayed him in there. He didn't know that it was only by God when he come floating down that elevator. It didn't float, but you know, come down that elevator and said that I'm going to run for president. And when he would give them speeches, it was what I have done. And, what, and I'm not knocking him, don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you, I'm learning from the experience. Look what I am. What I am. Look what I've done. I've run the stock market. This is the greatest market we ever had this ever this, And all that's good and that is true. But if it wasn't for God, Mr. Trump could have never done it. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you I'm not knocking him I love him I have compassion and I'll tell you the truth about it I, it's my fault if I'd have prayed for him more he wouldn't have made that mistake but again the Lord showed me this you judge it throw it away you can do what you want to with it you don't have to accept it but Mr. Trump has been humbled before God even though he was God's choice and God's voice, he got to the point that he did not acknowledge God. He even had people around him that were supposed to be giving him godly advice. The best advice that they could have given him. Undoubtedly, he didn't get it. If he did get it, he didn't listen to it. Said, Mr. Trump, you need to kneel down in this Oval Office and raise your heart and eyes and hands to God and say, God, I acknowledge you. 
And you're the great God of heaven and earth. And without you, I am nothing. Even though I may have abilities, without you, I have no abilities. I can't do nothing. And God, you're the one that done these things. You just use me as an instrument in your hands. The Lord showed me and said to me, back yonder, this time that he was talking to me, never said it publicly, this is the first time. Never wrote nothing on it, this is the first time. He said, if he'd have done that, he said, I'd have put him back in there. He said, but he had to learn a lesson. Now, I'm not saying he's not going back in there, but I'm saying this. You can listen to voices around you. And like he was surrounded by a lot of voices, right? And like I was surrounded, so I'm not putting him down. But he was listening to voices a lot of times that didn't help him to correct a few things. And I, I mean, I can't even hold a candle or a light for him to see by, as Granny would say in the country. So I'm not comparing myself to him. But I know this, when you take the glory from God and you take the credit from God, no flesh, God said, is going to glory in my presence. Greatest stock market we ever had in the world. I mean, my God, we ain't never had the jobs I'm doing that. And that's all true. But if it wasn't for God, he wouldn't have been able to do it. Now, will God raise him back up? Will God bring him back up? Certainly God can do it. And I'll guarantee you, he's probably right now a different person than he was on January 19th. All that illegal stuff we saw, why didn't they hear it? Why didn't the Supreme Court hear it? Well, I know them judges are mad. Wait, 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 wait. You got a Supreme God up there. You know what I mean? Number one, we the church need to pray ourselves more about these, all these offices and about people that run this land. In fact, maybe some of you good godly folks Daughter, just go ahead and run for public office. Some of y'all need to buy some doggone TV stations. I mean, whole networks. Somebody needs to buy some of them Facebookings or whatever you call it. What are the Facebookings and what do they call it? Social medias, yes. Buy that because we found out that the heathens own all this stuff. She said, I'm going to turn her and I'm going to let her go on this stuff. Let her run this thing. It's the truth. I mean, we learned some things in this. This thing's been flip-flopped, but it's not hopeless. I've learned a lot. I mean, I don't know it all, but I've learned. In this situation, buddy, I'm going to pray different. The first thing we're going to do is what? We're going to get right with God ourselves. We're going to know God for ourselves. And we thank God, yes, we can receive. We need other people helping us. and We need to be taught and trained. All of us do. Me, number one. But I need to learn also to hear God for myself in strategic situations and circumstances because he'll lead you and guide you. Number two, we need to pray for those elected officials in every office like we never have before. Pray the way God leads you. You know what I mean? Because God can do things. I remember when the church uh, was praying in Acts chapter 12 and uh, they got, Peter got arrested and John got arrested and they, they killed John, remember? And, and then they're going to kill Peter. And God sent an angel down to get him out of prison. He opened the gates. I don't know where the angels were when I was in there. But anyway, they didn't come let me out. <laughs> Got him out. 
And then Herod was bringing so much persecution on the church that he was sitting up there giving a great speech, not acknowledging God. And what happened? The angel of the Lord smote King Herod. When you get smoted by the angel of the Lord, you're smoted. And he died. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying pray death on folks, but I'm saying they were sincerely praying. I'm sure, maybe, I don't know, but maybe they weren't praying for that to happen. But God saw this is the only way to make it happen. And, and he's the one that's got to work that out. You know what I mean? And you be led by the Holy Ghost in what you do and pray. But I tell you, we need to pray. Number one, we need to get right with God. Close to what I mean by that. You're right with God if you're born again. Get close to God. Get to know His voice. And it just takes time in His presence. Pastor and I were talking about these things right prior to church. And, and one of the things that we both uh, discussed and we both uh, uh, totally agree on is this is that consistency, being consistent in prayer, is a key to success in God. You know what I mean? A lot of people will pray and they'll get excited and they'll pray for a week or two and then they fall off and they don't pray again for three months, you know. Be better to be consistent and have you a time that you pray, that you seek God, that you don't let anything else bother you. And I'm not saying you've got to pray 24 hours a day, but set a, a reasonable time that you can seek God for yourself. And get to know Him as your Lord and Savior. And the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you. Number two, remember, after you do that, two, and, and add it with it, we want to pray for those in authority in this land. Because I don't want to share with you, and I'm not going to share with you, some things I see out there if we don't do this. And I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, but I, I can see it out there. Then, uh, number three, let's remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Be sure to give God the glory and credit for everything. The Bible says in the New Testament that no flesh shall glory in my presence. Make sure we give the glory and honor and praise to God and acknowledge Him and lift Him up for every good thing that happens in your life and I'll guarantee you He's going to promote you as long as you know where that promotion comes from. Don't look to man to promote you. Look to God. Because if man puts you up there, somebody said, and I believe it about to be true, then man can take you down. But if God puts you in there, then he can get you in the right place at the right time, even though when it seems like it ain't going to work. Like my wife, for instance. My wife, for instance, was 30 years old, had never been married. And a lot of the, a lot of the folks are saying, you know, she's, she ain't going to ever get married. And my, her mama said, you had to know her mama, Mary Frances. She said, you're just too picky, Patty. She's my wife named Patty. Her name's Patricia, we call her Patty. You're just too picky. You ain't going to never find a man that meets all the criteria you want. You ain't going to never do that. And so she just thought that, uh, you know, I might as well give up on this. And she said, for the longest there, for a while, for several years, she's just praying, oh, Lord, I want to get married. Lord, I want to do this. I want to have a family. I want to do that. I want to do this. And finally, one day, she come to the end of herself. And she said, this is her own testimony. She said, I decided I'm just going to be happy just like I am. And I'm not going to chase no fool man no more. You know, a lot of us men are fools anyway. I mean, my God. Ladies, you should say amen now. My God. Lord, I'm just going to turn it over to you. She's in a little bitty church. I mean, a little bitty. I mean, a little bitty. little bitty. Her daddy pastored, and she was teaching Sunday school class. 
No, none of the you know, popular guys didn't go to that church. Because that's one of them holiness Pentecostal churches too, you know. And my daddy-in-law was a shouter. You know, he, if he got up on the pulpit and he was up there 10, 15 minutes, he's going to tear something up. Kick something, break something, throw a mic, do something. I mean, that's just, that's just what he was. So you didn't get a whole lot of visitors that stayed long, you know. <laughs> he has died in the wool church of God. I'm telling you, he had it all the way down. He was saved, sanctified, member of the church of God, the only way to heaven. But Patty... You stayed faithful right there. Tell me how God will lead you. God will guide you. God will take care of you. If you just depend on him, God, she said, I just, Lord, forget it. I, I ain't looking no more. I, I'm not going to be consumed with that no more. I'm going to do what I'm going to help my daddy. I'm going to help my mama. Because she knew they needed to help my little church, you know, that they were in. And then one day, woo-wee, her knight in shining armor come walking into that church. And I found out something. Sometimes women don't know a good thing when they first see it. I just... <laughs> it was... God brought me from prison. It was a mirror. I was in prison in Alabama. Here I am sitting in this little church called Columbus Full Gospel Church because of a newspaper ad that popped out at me after I got out of prison. When I walked out of the church that night, I seen her standing out under the uh, light. They had a little one of them uh, floodlights. You know, anyway, the power company puts them up. It's got a light out there, you know. And she's standing out there in the grass. And the moment I laid eyes on her, the Lord said, that's the reason I brought you to this church. That's the girl you're going to marry right there. I said, my God, I went strutting out there. You know what I mean? I thought she's going to bow at my feet or something. You know what I mean? Because her knight in shining armor had come, but she didn't bow at my feet. I mean, but and she never has. <laughs> but I think, and I tell her periodically, I said, Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. She said, if you don't leave me alone, you're going to meet your Lord. My God! <laughs> We tried to train them, Pastor Jay. We tried to, you know. But what I'm saying is this. Even the young ladies or young guys or whatever, you think you've got to push here and do like the world does? God is so good. He can get right to you what you need at the right time in your life if you seek Him first. And any other adults has proven this in your life. I'm telling you, God is for us. And we're not going under. We're not going down. God's going to take care of His people. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You for the Holy Ghost. I know you were blessed by this message. If you would like to receive more information about Randall Greer Ministries, or if you'd like to receive our free newsletter, just let us know. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just write us at Randall Greer Ministries, P.O. Box 2227, Owasso, Oklahoma, 74055. Or you can contact us at our website, www.rgm.me. And remember, God is always with us.